0: It's twelve past three.
1: All right, so you're going to start tonight since I hogged. the episode last week. Yeah. But before you get started...
0: You have a smirk (laughs) on your face.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm just because I'm, you know, once again, taking over the beginning of the episode. Yeah. But last week I was talking about the Lindley Street poltergeist. Yeah. And we didn't really get a chance to recap lessons learned, or as you would say, pro-tips.
0: Pro-tips, yeah.
1: I thought we should start a list, a paranormal pro tips list. Yeah. There's two I can think of from last week. One you mentioned, which was if you hear three loud knocks at your front door or anywhere in your house... Yeah, anywhere. ...just start packing. Yep. Don't answer the door, even if it looks like somebody you know.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I know. Don't trust it. Don't
1: trust it. I just had this memory of when I was young. I'm thinking pre-kindergarten, so pretty young. Yeah. In the kitchen with my mom, your grandma, she's on the phone. Imagine the old rotary dial phones with the long <laughs> cords, right? Yeah. She's standing there in the kitchen on the phone and there's somebody knocking at our back door. The right? back so, I mean, door? Yeah, the back door. So you'd have to go you know, down the driveway, through the back fence to the back door. Yeah. And I'm trying to get her attention they say, you know, somebody's at the door, somebody's at the door, and she's brushing me off. Yeah. Right? So she didn't answer the door. And that memory's always stuck with me as far as wondering who was at our back door. Yeah. And are we lucky that she didn't answer it? Or was it somebody she knew that she didn't want to answer it?
0: Probably, probably lucky that you didn't answer it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Because you you think the front door, you know, she doesn't want to answer it. It's just a salesperson or somebody. Yeah. So she doesn't want to answer it. And I'm just a kid. I don't understand. Hey, somebody's at the door. Somebody's at the door. But the back door. That's too weird. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. (laughs) Total side note. Not sure why that came up. I guess the knocking at the door, I guess.
0: Um, Unless it was one of your siblings that got locked (laughs) out. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Don't want to let him in. (laughs) The other pro tip, and remember, we don't make the rules. We are just the curators of the list. Yeah. So I'm just the messenger. So hopefully I won't go to hell for this. Oh, my God. But the other rule we learned last week was religious paraphernalia, religious items. Paraphernalia always makes me think of drug paraphernalia. (laughs) I
0: thought you were changing it because you that that word was too big for me that I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> no,
1: it's just a weird word. It's the right word. It's just a weird word to me. Yeah. Maybe that's a generational thing or when you hear paraphernalia. I don't
0: know what I think when I hear the word. I th- I just think it's a word. I don't know. <laughs> I don't
1: know. Maybe the don't do drugs stuff. Yeah. There's always drug paraphernalia.
0: I mean, I think it's more commonly associated with drugs.
1: Yeah. Religious paraphernalia brings up an image of a bomb with a WWJD sticker on it. Oh, my God. <laughs> no? No. You know what a bong is, right? I know what a bong is. <laughs> okay. Anyway, pro tip. Religious items, paraphernalia, whatever, do not repel evil. They attract it. Yeah. Right? We found that every time there's... Poltergeist, evil demon now. The people always have religious.
0: Yeah. So right? you're saying religious people are the ones that
1: attract <laughs> they're it. They're actually they're <laughs> actually attracting the I mean to me, you're just providing projectiles for the demon. Yeah. A cross is kind of like a ninja death star. Can't say that. <laughs> to the demon, right? Just tossing those crosses at you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Can't remember if there was anything else we learned from last week.
0: I think just don't wait so long. Like they were. Oh yeah,
1: get out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like oh, the table's flipping over. I'm just gonna fix it. Oh, the the refrigerator is sliding across the room. That's okay.
1: (laughs) That does make it kind of suspicious because I understand that you know maybe they don't have anywhere to go. Yeah. But like you said, camping, sleeping in your vehicle. Whatever. Sleeping on the street. Yeah. Anything but staying in the house.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't stay in the house.
1: I don't get that at all.
0: Unless they're afraid that they're going to go camping and it's going to follow them. Going to follow them? I don't know. I don't know how poltergeists work.
1: My first instinct would be get the hell out of the house. Yeah. I I think. Anyway, I don't (laughs) don't want any demons or poltergeists to prove me wrong.
0: (laughs) Well... You'd think that you wouldn't want to stay in the house because you don't want it to get attached to you.
1: If there's something destroying the house, yeah, I just want to get out. And I don't know how they could just, oh, well, we're going to go to bed.
0: Well, yeah, that's what was kind of weird.
1: How the hell do you sleep?
0: So they're like, oh, we can't sleep. Let's just watch TV. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it.
1: Yeah, bizarre.
0: Nope, I'd be out of there. I don't care where.
1: I guess until we experience it, we can't say. Yeah. For sure.
0: Until we experience it? <laughs> let's hopefully, not. Hopefully, like, we don't. Yeah. yeah. Let's not speak into existence here. Yes.
1: Yes. Anyway, what are you talking about tonight?
0: I'm talking about the Clutter family murders in 1959. The Clutter family was a family of six who lived in Holcomb, Kansas. They lived in a 14-room farmhouse and had acres of farmland surrounding it.
1: Farmland in Kansas? Yeah. Pretty typical.
0: I was just thinking like 14-room farmhouse.
1: Yeah, that is pretty big.
0: But I'm assuming it's not like 14 bedrooms.
1: Even 14 rooms? Yeah. Sounds like a pretty big farmhouse. Yeah,
0: for Kansas. I don't know how big their houses are in Kansas.
1: Yeah, I don't either.
0: Herb Clutter and his wife, Bonnie, had two adult children and two teenagers. Holcomb had a population of less than 300 in 1959, and it was pretty well known that families knew each other in the town. The Clutters were known as an upstanding family, with Herb known as the salt of the earth. I've never heard that term before until I read this. Really? Yes. And it still doesn't make sense to me.
1: (laughs) Couldn't tell you where
0: it came from? That's so weird to me. I looked it up and it still makes no sense to me. Since the community was very small, everyone knew everyone's business, and it was pretty well known that the clutters were wealthy.
1: Thus, the 14-room farmhouse.
0: And acres of land.
1: Yeah. Well, the acres of land makes sense. I imagine a lot of people farming would have quite a bit of land, but not quite a big house. That's true.
0: Around 300 miles away in a cell at Kansas State Prison, Richard Eugene Hickok heard from another prisoner, Floyd Wells, that had allegedly worked as a farmhand for the family, saying that Herb Clutter was a very wealthy man and claimed that he had money stashed in a safe in his house. $10,000 to be exact, which would amount to $90,000 today.
1: That's obviously a lot of money. Yeah. But doesn't seem like money worth killing over.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's not.
1: Well, n- no amount is, but you know what I mean? It's like it's just
0: what people will do for yeah. money. Hickok wrote a letter to a former cellmate, Perry Edward Smith, who had recently been released after serving a sentence for escaping from another prison and stealing a car. After being released in early November of 1959, Hickok and Smith, immediately started making plans to get their hands on the stashed cash. On November 14th, they drove 400 miles to the Clutter House outside of Holcomb, Kansas. Four of the six family members happened to be home at the time. They waited for the family to go to sleep and collected tools that they needed for the robbery, which included gloves, a flashlight, knife, and a shotgun. They entered the property through an unlocked door. After entering the home, they realized that there was no safe containing money. They woke Herb Clutter, and he gave them the little cash that he had and said he didn't have any more. It was well known in the town that Herb paid in checks rather than cash.
1: Seems like I've heard similar stories. Yeah. They go to rob them, and the money's never there.
0: Yeah. They got the rest of the family up and searched the house again to confirm the family's story for themselves. They ransacked the entire house, getting no more than roughly $50, which would be 440 today, a pair of binoculars, and a transistor radio. Once the two had all that they could find, and they figured that Herb Clutter wasn't going to give up any information of where the cash was, they executed all four family members in cold blood. Hours later, the Clutter family's bodies were found by a friend of Nancy's. Police were called from a neighbor's phone. When officers arrived, 48-year-old Herb Clutter was sprawled out on a mattress in the basement. He had been stabbed, his throat was slashed, and had a shotgun wound to his head. His hands were tied together and his mouth was taped shut. It had appeared that he was tortured before he had died.
1: Jesus, so much for just trying to rob them.
0: Yeah. On a couch in another room was 15-year-old Kenyon Neil Clutter, bound, gagged, and shot in the head. In separate upstairs bedrooms were the bodies of 45-year-old Bonnie Clutter and 16-year-old Nancy May Clutter, Mrs. Clutter was found bound and gagged while Nancy was only bound. Each had been shot in the head. Jesus. The Garden City Police Department chief was one of the first officers to arrive to the scene. Along with him was his assistant chief, who was an expert photographer and was the one to photograph the crime scene. Although technology wasn't nearly to the level it is today, it was through photographs that the discovery of a bloody footprint remained. The footprint was not visible to the naked eye, but was seen under an ultraviolet light. A photograph was also taken of a tire track left in the rush of the murders. All the victims were barefoot, so it was safe to say that it belonged to one of the killers. The boot was common, and without further evidence, they couldn't do much with the information, but they kept this information out of the news for potential use later on.
1: For all the bumbled crime scenes that we've heard about in years past, yeah, they seem to be pretty well organized.
0: Yeah. I just think it's interesting that they were able to find something that they couldn't see in a photograph.
1: Yeah. Well, they're using ultraviolet light, right? Well, yeah. Which, yeah, I was surprised back then that they were using that, too.
0: Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Alvin Dewey of the Kansas Bureau of Investigation, or the KBI, led the investigation with help from four other KBI investigators working under him. He also requested the support of other governmental agencies to develop evidence and leads. Dewey's team interviewed anyone who worked for the family and everybody who knew them. They spoke to school friends, teachers, handymen who worked on the house, their doctors, and neighbors. They had stopped the investigation briefly to attend the funerals of the family. Over 600 people attended at the Valley View Cemetery. All the caskets were open despite the severe facial injuries. There was cotton covering their faces to cover the damage.
1: That's bizarre.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought was weird too especially being an open casket. All right. Friends had toured the property to make note of what was missing. Immediately after the murders, Hickok and Smith fled to the Kansas City area where Hickok wrote a number of bad checks. They decided to flee to Mexico where they lived for a short period of time. They pawned the binoculars and eventually hitchhiked their way through California on their way to Omaha, Nebraska. They only stayed for a short period of time in Omaha. They then started to make their way to Iowa, where they stole a car and returned to the Kansas City area. From Kansas City, they eventually traveled to Florida and Nevada. It was in Nevada where Dewey and the KBI eventually caught up with them on December 31st, 1959.
1: Wow, they were really moving around a lot.
0: Yeah, and very sporadically, going from Florida to Nevada. Yeah. During the time that Haycock and Smith spent traveling the country, Dewey and the KBI were able to piece together evidence which was corroborated by a fellow prisoner, Floyd Wells, who ratted out the murders for some money being offered at the time and an early release from prison. When Hickok and Smith were captured on December 30th in Nevada, they were still driving the stolen car that they had acquired in Iowa. They also had the boot that made the bloody print in their possession. Once word got out that they had been captured, Dewey and three other KBI investigators flew to Nevada to get a confession from the two men. Hickok always argued that it was Smith that killed all four people, not him. After the confession, they were flown from Nevada to Garden City where they stood trial for the murders. On March 29, 1960, a jury of all men returned a verdict of guilty and recommended the death penalty. For the next 5 years, they lived on death row at the federal prison in Kansas. While incarcerated, they would graphically discuss the crimes to anyone who would listen. One of Smith's ex-army friends stated, "Quote He said, as I pulled the trigger, there was a flash of blue light. I could see his head split apart, end quote.
1: Well, that's a sick
0: bastard. Yep. It's just disgusting and horrible. Yeah. They were executed by hanging on the gallows of the grounds of the prison with very little publicity on April 14th, 1965. Hickok died at 1241 a.m., and Smith at 1.19 a.m.
1: That was quick. Seems like these days, people are on death row for decades.
0: Yeah. Well, this is, what, late 50s, early 60s? Yeah. I don't know how death row was back then.
1: Yeah, I don't either. I just...
0: But, yeah, it is shocking that it was that quick. The state paid for the burials, but Smith's would cost $250 less than Hickok's. Smith, an honorably discharged Korean War veteran, was entitled to $250 veterans burial allowance. Really? Made me mad when I read that because yeah. he did not deserve it.
1: Yeah, you'd think they would take those benefits away from you.
0: Yeah. The second year incarcerated and found guilty. Yeah. I don't think you should get any benefits. Agreed. The last words of Smith were quote. I think it is a hell of a thing that a life has to be taken in this manner. I say this especially because there's a great deal I could have offered to society. I certainly think capital punishment is legally and morally wrong. Any apology for what I have done would be meaningless at this time. I don't have any animosities towards anyone involved in this matter. I think that is all.
1: End quote. That's a twisted view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Killing is wrong. When it applies to me, Yep. But how with the family that I slaughtered. Exactly. People are weird. Yeah.
0: The last words of Hickok were, "Quote: No, I guess I don't." End quote. What? I was <laughs> assuming they asked if he had any last words, and his response was, "No, I guess I don't."
1: Oh, I okay, get okay.
0: But then he mentioned for KBI agent. Roy Church, who played a major role in the arrest of the two men, to come to where he was standing. Quote, you're sending me to a better place than this, end quote, and added that he did not bear any grudge against Church for his role in the case. Then he shook hands and said goodbye.
1: So I did have something to say.
0: Yes, I think just to one person, not to yeah. everyone.
1: I'm surprised he thought he was going to a better place.
0: Yeah, well, people (laughs) have their twisted views. Yeah, I guess. who knows? Yeah.
1: Maybe he was right.
0: Uh, Maybe. (laughs) As Hickok waited for the trap door to spring beneath him, prison chaplain read a portion of the 23rd Psalm. As Smith waited, the reverend former prisoner chaplain, prayed quietly. Later, the reverend said, Smith had not wanted anything read over him. Quote, I cheated him a little bit. End quote. Now, I always find it interesting hearing people's last words and what their last meals were. And interestingly enough, I have both of that. So we had heard their last words and Mm now their last meal. And to me, People's last meals are so bizarre, and I don't know how I feel about them getting a last meal, a special last meal.
1: I don't know how you could eat, honestly.
0: Yeah, I guess that's, <laughs> that's what I wonder, too, is how are you eating when you know you're going to be put to death?
1: Like, Yeah. I was wondering when you were talking about the last words, I was wondering wonder what my last words would be. I have no idea because I've never I done it, anything that I would have to say my last words. I guess it would yeah, depend on why you're there. Yeah. That would make a difference as far as what you might say. I wonder if they,
0: like, while they're on death row, they're thinking of a speech that they want to say.
1: Well, they never seem to be very long, right? You wonder if there's a time limit. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, if they had made a speech and yeah. they're sitting there talking and talking and talking.
0: Do so they just, like let the trap door fall beneath them.
1: <laughs> Cut them off? <laughs> or do they have to wait until they finish?
0: That'd be pretty smart of them if they did a long speech just to put off their death. Well, not put it off, but stall.
1: Wonder if anybody's ever done that. I've never heard that before.
0: Yeah, I, I would think that'd be like newsworthy if someone did that.
1: Yeah, be interesting to hear different last words.
0: Yeah, I have been wanting to gather that. I don't know how long it would be, though.
1: Might be interesting, might be nothing.
0: I do remember this one, that it's always stuck with me. I don't remember the guy's full name, but I know his, I think his last name was French, and he was being executed by electric chair, and his last word was French fries. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> Get it? French fries? Yeah. I don't know how long it took him to think that up.
0: I don't know, but it's funny. (laughs) But (laughs) uh, anyways.
1: Last meals.
0: Last meals. So Hickok and Smith ate their last meal in separate rooms, each with a chaplain sitting by. They had ordered spiced shrimp, french fries, garlic bread, ice cream, and strawberries with whipped cream.
1: All the favorites for them. Yep. Just so bizarre. I, again, oh. I just don't know how you could possibly eat.
0: No, I don't how, get it How yet. would
1: you have an appetite?
0: Yeah, I wouldn't if I knew that was going to be my last meal. Maybe they don't know it's their last meal. Maybe they're like, oh, yeah, you get like a special <laughs> meal. What would you want?
1: A <laughs> <The> happy meal? <laughs> <laughs> happy meal. <laughs>
0: could you imagine you don't know it's your last meal and they're like oh yeah you're getting a special meal like pick whatever you want and then you just pick something that you you're not like in love with just because you wanted to (laughs)
1: yeah i think they let them know but i wonder if anybody's ever like ordered a bunch of spicy stuff and then
0: (laughs) (laughs) where are you going with that (laughs)
1: Left a mess to clean up after they were executed.
0: Oh my gosh. (laughs) Don't they all leave messes?
1: Yeah, I guess they do. I mean, yeah, they would have to evacuate. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Evacuate.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's the part you don't really hear about. Yeah, why don't we hear about that? I know. The guys that have to clean that up. Oh, that would be bad. As if, Cleaning up
0: the bodies isn't bad. But... Right. Well, to me, I'd imagine if you're being electrocuted, you...
1: Well, yeah, that mess is... You get to
0: make a big mess there. I <laughs> feel like at that point, you're just
1: kind of screwed. <laughs> yeah, but it's all toasted.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I did not want to know what that smells like. <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't think I want to know what a burnt person smells like.
0: Yeah, are they that burnt though?
1: I don't know. I'm maybe Mm. not
0: that's interesting.
1: I always pictured them maybe from the movies, they're smoking. Oh, yeah, eyeballs pop out.
0: What? Wait, 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 (laughs) 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 does that happen? I don't know. Don't they have like a face covering though?
1: Yeah, because their eyeballs pop out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but like. For any execution, don't they always cover their faces, especially if they have like a gallery of people?
1: Yeah, I don't know why they would do that.
0: Well, because I imagine it'd be traumatizing to see their to face.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, even though they're bad people. You're, you're
1: there to watch an execution. Okay, I could see with witnesses, but when you think about the gallows and the town is coming to watch hangings, yeah, I'm really not seeing where the concern is about making it less gruesome for them. <laughs>
0: When they did guillotines, I don't think they put a bag over
1: their head. (laughs) (laughs) Only to make the cleanup easier.
0: Well, they had a bucket though, right? Yeah, (laughs) they did, yeah. Did they reuse those buckets for apple picking the next day?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I hope not. Oh my gosh. Okay, so (laughs) was that both of their last meals?
0: Uh, As far as I could tell, yeah. Okay. I don't know why they had the same thing.
1: They shared a meal?
0: In separate rooms. Bizarre. With chaplains sitting by them. Is that normal?
1: That's the first time I ever heard that. So do you think they should get a last meal or no?
0: Well, I mean, they kind of have to have a last meal because...
1: Well, yeah, but you could just give them the regular meal rather than giving them something special.
0: I think there should be boundaries on that, I guess. Because I've heard people's last meals being like KFC. Like, you're going to go out of your way to give a guy who's going to be executed KFC. This episode is not sponsored by KFC. (laughs) (laughs) That,
1: that to me would be fine. It's when they get ridiculous. You know, like, I don't know. Would you fly something in for them? No. They wanted Russian caviar (laughs) and champagne from France or something.
0: Why do I feel like that's been done before.
1: What if they're allowed to have alcohol?
0: I feel like you'd want to have alcohol before that, but I feel like that's not fair.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what I'm wondering. I mean, yes, I would see flying stuff in special would be ridiculous.
0: I think I have a hard time with it because their victims didn't get to have a last meal. Yeah. So to me, it's just like, I guess we're trying to be nicer. Yeah, I guess civil. But... To me, it's like their victims didn't get to have a nice last meal, so why should they really get a special meal?
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't I don't really see the, the sense in the last meal.
0: Yeah. So the residents of Holcomb were surprised that the house was never torn down after the murders, which I thought was interesting.
1: Interesting that it wasn't torn down or interesting that they thought that they it were, should be?
0: That they thought it should be. Yeah. There were various owners over the years, and in 1990, Leonard and Donna Matter bought the house. I hope that's how you pronounce their names. They said that there were constant tourists on their doorstep wanting to look at the property, and they started charging admission fees. It's so bizarre to me that people wanted to look at the property.
1: Is that really strange with people?
0: (laughs) Well, I guess it's just like... I don't know. It just seems weird to me that... Gruesome. Yeah, I think it's just, to me, it's just eerie to purposely, especially when other people are living there now, Like to just go and stand outside or lurk around.
1: Well, that's another story, right? Just the lurking but If they were selling tickets for people to go in and look at the house. Yeah. Can you imagine if you bought a plot of land where a serial killer had buried his victims, and you were selling tickets to it?
0: That's horrible
1: to me. Right. So how is this any less horrible? Well, it's not. That that people, I know, I'm just saying, so that people are going to see this house. Yeah.
0: Well, okay, then how do you feel about Lizzie Borden's house? That being a whole bed and Mm, breakfast.
1: Good question. Yeah, you got me on that one. (laughs) (laughs) that's
0: I don't know that's a tough one to me I kind of want to go just because like historical reasons not about like the deaths but
1: yeah yeah you got me on that one I guess a double standard on that because I don't know I don't know what the differentiation is I just think maybe it's time span yeah when I think about the serial killer scenario and the field where he buried his victims yeah Or the house where he buried his victims underneath, Gacy's house, for instance. That being a tourist attraction would be really bizarre to me. Yeah. But the Borden house doesn't seem as bizarre. And I don't know if it's because it was so long ago.
0: Just because it's been like a historical attraction for so long. Yeah. That we kind of got desensitized to it. Yeah. It's weird that people are paying and also that... The owners are charging.
1: Hey, if you make money off of it, why not?
0: (laughs) Yeah, but it's just weird that it's a family's death that you're profiting off of. I guess that goes back to Lizzie Lizzie Borden. But I don't know. I don't know. It's it's hard to differentiate them.
1: Anyway, (laughs) how did we get off on that tangent?
0: Well, we were talking about the... Last meals. Well, no, we were talking about the last owners.
1: Right, oh yeah, yeah, you were talking that about that. That they me. were
0: charging admission fees. Holcomb has grown over the years, but the murders still haunt the town. The residents' friendly approach quickly changed after the murders, and the locks on the doors that were hardly ever used started to serve their purpose when everyone locked their doors.
1: That's a sad part of it.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because I think back when you were growing up, People hardly locked their doors. And I can't even imagine, or I guess even with my grandparents, them growing up and hardly locking their doors, I can't even imagine leaving the doors
1: unlocked. Not in our house. Our house, it was the doors always locked. Really? Yeah.
0: Well, so that's we smart. didn't have that.
1: Yeah, we didn't have that growing up. Yeah.
0: I mean, I have heard of people, their doors were always unlocked, their garage doors were always open. It was like, Anyone can walk in, and to me, I'm like, no, I
1: don't like that. Yeah, I can't imagine having the doors unlocked. Mm -mm. For us, the Age of Innocence went away with Gacy. Yeah. And then the Halloween-tainted candy. Yeah. So those were the two major events that I recall where life wasn't so innocent anymore.
0: What year was Gacy again? I know
1: I should know this. I think he was caught in 78. Oh, wow. Does that sound right? I remember my brother was going to go do some yard work for somebody that we didn't really know. Yeah. It was like a a referral from a friend of a friend that this guy needed some work done at his house. Yeah. And we had to go along with him because they're afraid to have him go by himself.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to me how like hearing that Kids would go anywhere they wanted by themselves or with their friends, like just walking in the woods, like it's no big deal.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're all over the place. Yeah. At all hours of the day and night. Yeah. Never gave it a second thought.
0: That's weird.
1: Now, not sure if that was naive, right? And we were just lucky, but that's just the way, you know, we just didn't think about it.
0: Well, it's interesting that things are more... Like parents are more strict about that now when we have the technology we have where you didn't have that back then. I mean, obviously there's the risk of getting kidnapped or something happening. But I feel like with a lot of kids, especially at younger ages now, having cell phones on them and you can track people by their phones.
1: Yeah, but phones can be taken off. I mean, if they would just chip the kids.
0: Like we're animals?
1: (laughs) Keep you safe, though.
0: Yeah, I mean...
1: Be able to track you no matter where you go. People wouldn't abduct anybody.
0: As long as it doesn't have, like, a self-destruct thing in it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Then I guess I don't care.
1: Of course, if they did that, then somebody would figure out how to disable it. Yeah. And still be able to. Okay, so once again, how did we (laughs) get where we're at?
0: we were talking about locking the doors. All right. right, That was the last of what I had. They... Went from not locking their doors to locking their doors all the time.
1: Yeah, sad world. Yeah. All right, well, I'm not sure how long we've been going. Yeah. (laughs) So I guess we'll wrap it up. We will get to stupid criminals next week. Yes. Thank you very much for joining us.
0: Make sure to visit next week for more weird and creepy stories. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 12past3 or email us at podcast at 12past3.com. Good night. Good night.